plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, today is a Star Style Day. Hello, Power Partners, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. I am your host, Cynthia Bryan, and we are coming to you live on the Voice America Network. It is the Empowerment Channel, and this program is brought to you under the SBCs of the 501c3 top nonprofit, Be the Star You Are, where we want to catapult you from wishing upon a star to imagining your dreams as if they've already transpired and just help you get to where you want to be in life because you are the writer, producer, director, and star of your own life. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are that has just launched Operation Disaster Relief for wildfires in California. Please consider making a donation. Go to bethestarur.org and you'll see a donate button and you'll see the wildfires there. And this is from Kabir. Wherever you are is the entry point. And that is my entry point into who our guests are going to be today because I am so excited about them. Exactly 10 years ago and today, Dr. Don Martin launched his book, Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. And today, he and his colleague, Kevin Kiley, will be on our program starting in segment two with the second edition from Dr. Don. And it is such a fantastic book. These two men know everything there is to know about the admission process And they're going to be here to help you know what to do. In our third segment, I hope to get to a little bit about the land and our inhabitants and how to recover after a devastating fire and to tell you a little bit about a recovery guide because fire seems to be one of the major um, disasters that especially is happening in many of our states right now. And perhaps we can help benefit our land and the bio- biodiversity by being a great steward. But right now, I want to talk about how employees, uh, employers, how they are seeking to grab an edge for the most qualified employees by hiring design firms to create spaces that are going to help their staff think feel and be healthy as well as maximizing productivity it's not about all going green sometimes it's about eating to think because there is a lot of competition for employees right now and also for ideas so employers really are looking at office design to give them that edge companies like amazon and google and samsung have asked major design firms to create spaces that directly affect how their employees think and feel. 
And research over the past four years has shown that design affects human biology and experience. So it allows us to maximize comfort and productivity. And that means that it's very important to create spaces with all five senses in mind and think about the impact of everything from diet to color theory. So here's a little look at how the Office of the Future might promote the health of your organization and the individual and yourself. And as many of you might know, I am a professional member of the American Society of Interior Designers and have done interior design for a number of years besides these other things that I've done. So I have a real interest in this. And now I just really love doing the research around it to reimagine our workplaces as well as our living spaces. So Keep it down unless brainstorming. Now, this is what neuroscience is telling us. The human voice evokes some of the most potent emotional responses in our auditory experience. So voices in excess of 55 decibels. Now, roughly, that is the sound of a loud phone call. They cause measurable stress. So even more disruptive are overheard half-conversations half conversations, in which the listener is privy to only one side of a dialogue because our brains automatically imagine the other. So what can design do to help? Sonically diverse environments like private phone booths, outdoor gardens, and acoustically buffered spaces for activities like brainstorming and team building exercises will keep the noise away from the traditional desk setups. Sounds found in nature, like moving water, that's something that I particularly need, uh, they help drown out disruptions. And it is really um, important. For example, at Amazon Spheres, it's an office for 800 employees. It opened in Seattle this past winter. They have a rushing brook and a waterfall that permeate the workspace with continuous calming white noise. And, you know, right here in my office, like I am not a person that can listen to music and think at the same time. I can do one or the other. Now, my husband's just the opposite. My husband can, he, he can't think or work unless he has music going. For me, I need the sounds of nature. I need the sounds of water or singing birds or just the sound of the breeze. So, you know, it's interesting how we we operate in different things. Now, about going green, here's what neuroscience tells us. Exposure to plants makes us less emotionally volatile and error-prone. Even a picture of a plant can have a calming effect. So as a bonus, certain plants give off antiviral immune-boosting chemicals. They are called uh, phodnicides, and that promote office health and health in your own um, home as well. Going back to the Amazon spheres, it has more than 40,000 plants and hundreds of species, but just one plant per square meter can benefit mental and physical health while creating more pleasant-smelling work environment. Now, speaking for me, I have plants in every room of my house, living plants, not plastic plants, not silk plants, living plants. I find them very easy to maintain. You just have to know what, um, you know, what grows in your vicinity and how to take care of it. Uh, Orchids, uh, sale plants, uh, fiddle leaf figs, uh, bromeliads, palms, pathos. They're all very easy plants to take care of. And interestingly, they all actually soak up the carbon dioxide um, and all the bad stuff, and they help clean our air. So if you don't have plants where you are, really consider getting them. 
Seek visual relief. Now, here's what the neuroscience tells us. Humans have an evolutionary need for private spaces that offer a sense of safety. But we also crave vistas for inspiration, a condition known as prospect refuge. So open spaces foster creative thinking, while closed spaces, they actually confine us and we might not increase our focus. So specific colors have been shown to enhance or hinder your abilities. Now, if you have an enclosed, comfortable booth uh, to promote focus, but you have an open floor plan with low seating and high ceilings and outdoor views, that can aid in brainstorming and creative ideas. So we have to think about all of this. Think about windows providing views of surrounding hillsides or benches and secluded outdoor garden spaces. Those give employees a private, peaceful retreat. Colors should be employed wisely, like blue for stimulation, green for focus, orange for decision-making. Like right outside my uh, studio, my office, I have a bench underneath a big redwood tree and plants and a bird fountain, a bird, um, uh, yeah, a bird fountain there. And, you know, when I just need a break, I just can go and sit there. I also can keep my door open so I can always have the breeze and always can listen to the water and listen to the birds. For me, this really works. So if, um, if you know, if you ever hear things like that <laughs> while I'm on the radio, I might be doing it from my studio. Get a move on, and neuroscience tells us just 30 minutes of aerobic activity can boost your executive function and reduce stress. Outdoor exercise increases these effects at just 18 miles and I mean 1.8 miles an hour, a moderate walk. Reaction time and quantitative skills improve. And how design helps is the layout of each floor should encourage physical activities. With elevators hidden in favor of stairs, so indoor and outdoor workout spaces were possible and designs to accommodate walking meetings. Now, Samson's North American headquarters employees are no more than one floor away from an outdoor terrace where they can attend yoga classes or walk through campus gardens for meetings. The bottom line is, is if you can just get outside and walk around the block, you're going to be doing that'll be really um, so much better. Now. Um, What about eating to think better? Neuroscience talks about this too. Mediterranean-type diets, which are rich in fruits, nuts, and vegetables, have been shown to boost cognition, particularly executive function, which is responsible for problem-solving and impulse control. Now, how can design can help with this? Design for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation Campus Courtyard included Blueberry plants, which employees can pick and enjoy. And we all know that blueberries are really good for us. So look around your home and your workspace and see what you possibly can do to enhance your environment. And, you know, if you um, if you are an employer and you own the space, you might want to get a color consultation to see what colors are going to work best to um increase the productivity and the happiness of your of your uh, personnel or you might want to at least get some plants and most people can go ahead and bring a plant a, a, you know a potted plant into their office space just so that they are breathing cleaner air and by all means get up get out and take a walk so that you're getting a little bit of exercise 
Well, we're going to go to break, and when we come back from break, we will be speaking with Dr. Donald Martin and Kevin Kiley, and we'll be talking about graduate study with the second edition of Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students. You will love this book. I'm Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Don't go away because this is going to be an enlightening next segment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. You bet it's a power party today here on Star Style, and I am Cynthia Bryan, where I always like to bring you the pioneers on the planet. But today is truly a special day. I am really celebrating because exactly 10 years and one day ago, I had the utmost privilege of interviewing an expert in the fields of graduate school enrollment, student affairs, and higher education administration when he launched his first book called Roadmap for Graduate Study. Well, today, it's Dr. Don C. Martin. He is launching the second edition of this essential guide with over 38 years of hands-on experience in the field. And he is joined in this conversation with his colleague and business partner, Kevin Kiley, who has over 20 years of professional experience, nearly all in leadership roles. I want to say welcome back, Dr. Don, and hello, Kevin. <laughs> Hi, Cynthia. Great to be here. I'm really excited about this because, as you know, Don, first of all, I am really thrilled that you chose Star Style. Thank you so much to relaunch this must-have book, A Roadmap for Graduate Study, A Guide for Prospective Graduate Students. And over the years, it has been the book that I have recommended to anyone who wanted to further their educational endeavors. And, Kevin, it's wonderful that you're joining Dr. Don's stellar team so you're, you've really... Thank you. It's you've a real the, privilege, believe me. 
I, it is. It is. You've hit the gold mine here. This is the gold no standard. Doubt. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the, your revised, your second edition of Roadmap for Graduate Study, um, I want to just give um, a, a, our listeners a brief hint of both of your professional backgrounds so that they know that I'm just not tooting your horn. You really are walking the talk. So, uh, no, I mean, it, it's so impressive. So I want to just tell you a little bit about Dr. Don C. Martin, who is an expert in the fields of enrollment management, student affairs, higher education administration, as I said earlier. But since 1980, he has managed divisions including admissions, financial aid, student development, registration advising, career disabled and international services, and he has been employed by some of the best colleges and universities in the United States, including including Wheaton and Northwestern University, University of Chicago, the Graduate School of Business there, Columbia University, the Teachers College, and there's just so much more. He speaks all over the world, and we will hear more about Dr. Don. So, Don, you, you're just so impressive. It's crazy. And then now... Oh, I'm very fortunate, Cynthia. I'm, I'm very fortunate, and I, I feel very um, thankful for the opportunities I've had. It's been an incredible career. I've, I've loved just about every minute of it. <laughs> See, and that's what we're going to get to because the picture on the back of the book, uh, you this new picture of you with that huge smile, you can absolutely just tell you absolutely love what it is that you are doing. And so that is really exciting. And so that let me just give a little bit of Kevin Kiley's background so we know that he also is a star. He has 20 years of professional experience, mostly all in leadership roles, including more than five years as an MBA admissions director at Washington University in St. Louis, 10 years of coaching experience with graduate students, and he holds certifications for career and leadership coaching, including the professional certified coach designation, and won all kinds of awards and all of this. So anyway, now enough about um, how great you both are. I hope everybody understands. Understands that because you are. Let's get to your new book, Dr. Don, because um, okay. right away, the first thing that I, I get when I see this book is I love how short it is. It's short, concise, succinct, uh, a full 106 pages of just absolutely the essentials. There is nothing extra in here. So this is not one of these, you know, full blown books. Tell us why you wanted to write your second edition. I wrote the second edition primarily because I was running out of the first edition, Cynthia, <laughs> which, was a, which was a very nice problem to have. But, but in addition to that, there were a few sections I did want to update, particularly in Chapter 2, which talks about the application process. I wanted I wanted folks to know about a few additional pieces of that puzzle, namely resume preparation and also some additional parts of the application process. So that was something else. Finally, there's been a lot more development in in the past 10 to 15 years in the areas of part-time and online graduate education, and many of the programs offered through that avenue are really becoming just as quality 
as regular classroom graduate programs have been. And I wanted to comment a little bit more on that. So this is, uh, I, I took, I, I kept a lot of what was in the book before, but added these sections to it. And I kept it short because I, I really felt like I didn't know how many folks would want to purchase a book of over 700 pages, which I probably could have written. <laughs> but I felt this was to the point, short, as you say, succinct, and covers really all the bases that someone really needs to as you consider graduate school. Well, and I remember when we uh, first launched your book 10 years ago in talking about those online graduate programs, they were not um, so great in those days. And so I was very interested when I read this. Well, I wanted to um, ask Kevin, you have now come on board. Uh, So Kevin, tell us what it is that you are going to be doing for graduate study with Roadmap for Graduate Study and working with Dr. Don Martin. Well, you know, it's, it's such an honor and such a privilege to be working with someone like Don, and so I consider myself very fortunate. So uh, I'm going to be doing um, many of the same things that Don has been doing insanely successfully for, more than, for the past 10 years, and that is we do, uh, we do coaching of graduates, uh, prospective graduate students across all disciplines, whether that be business, law, medicine, uh, Ph.D. work, uh, and other areas. Um, where we do uh, speaking on, uh, on college campuses and um, for some uh, other uh, partners as well. Uh, we also do some writing when it comes to uh, doing blogs and whatnot and that kind of thing. And kind of being a, a one-stop shop for everything graduate school admissions related. So it dovetails nicely with a lot of my background as well. And I'm also going to be learning quite a bit from Don because uh, he, is, uh, he is the man. He is the man. He is the man. Well, you know, um, I I love it, Kevin, that you're on board because I feel that there are so many people that need what you're doing and nobody is doing it. And Don can't do it all. So I'm really glad that he brought somebody like you. Right? Right, Don? I mean, And, and you know, I I have to say, uh, Kevin may be new to to grad school roadmap, but he is he is. He's a tremendous expert and has such tremendous background and success in what he's done before he joined that I, 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 it's, it's been a win-win. I feel like I'm the lucky one to have him on my team. It has just been an absolute uh, terrific merging of backgrounds and expertise to offer what we can. So I'm, I believe I'm the one that's, that's really the lucky one here. Well, and you know what? That's what all partnerships need to be, right? Is win-win. If it's not win-win, then it never works. So I'm so glad. I want to give out a website right now just so that if anybody's joining us, they can even check the website if they're on their computer. It's gradschoolroadmap.com. And again, we're talking about the book, Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students by Dr. Don Martin. And as you heard, his uh, partner... And colleague, Kevin Kiley, will be the managing director of Grad School Roadmap, and they'll be doing a lot of speaking and coaching and all of that. In fact, one of the things that you have offered an audience giveaway are are that members can email you, Don, to schedule a complimentary 30-minute consultation via uh, phone or Skype with uh, either you or Kevin. So I thought that's a really great thing. May I give your email out? Absolutely. Please feel free to do that. Please. That'd be great. Thank you. Okay. It's just D, like dog, Martin, at gradschoolroadmap.com. Now, of course, if you go to gradschoolroadmap.com, you'll be able to get his email there as well. Well, let's go back to the book because I really, I am a huge fan of it because 
I think that we all have to be always continually learning. But when mm. somebody really is thinking about graduate school, it's a very different than just a college experience. One thing that I saw uh, in, so I have the whole pages, the whole book is marked up, just so you know. So <laughs> um, in chapter two, getting in the application process, you talked about following directions, how it seems yeah. like a no-brainer. But I, when I read that, all I could say is, uh-huh, uh-huh. It is unbelievable how people don't follow directions. Would you, uh, either of you, just speak to that because... The, we don't want to give red flags. We want green lights. So when people don't follow directions, it's not a good thing. That is so true, Cynthia. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned this because as a graduate school applicant, you need to be able to do in your application what the admissions committee is requesting of you because in many cases, this is the first time they're going to have a chance to get to know you in any way. And it's, I'm not suggesting that applicants don't follow directions deliberately but if you if you are asked for instance to write a 550 word essay you should do your best to prepare a 550 word essay now obviously if it's a little shorter or longer that's not going to be a deal breaker but i remember at at uh, one of the institutions i served we had a 750 word essay and a, and a, one of the applicants sent a 100 page paper as his essay oh my goodness well that that actually did happen, and and that individual was denied. It, yes. I, we, you know, if you cannot read some simple uh, directions, it would beg the question: How are you going to respond to policies or procedures or what's expected of you as a student? It may not be that you understand everything that's being asked, and if you don't, you should certainly reach out to the respective admissions office to ask about a particular guideline or requirement that maybe doesn't quite make sense or that you don't understand. But to the best of your ability, what you want to do is follow directions as you were asked to. That eliminates one particular hurdle when, you get, when your application gets to the point where it's being evaluated. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Well, it seems like to me, from the very get-go, you know, you talk about who's in the driver's seat in the first place, and then who's in the driver's seat in the second place, uh, whether it is the student, the prospective student, or the university. I think what people, what I took away from your book is that we have to remember that first impressions count, and that every time Mm -hmm. you're in contact with the admissions office, you are making an impression, either positive or negative. So it's so important to always be professional in all of your dealings and not argumentative. And and the other thing I I thought was so important is don't make excuses for things. Did you, Kevin, want to talk about to that at, at, at all? I think that it's important to understand, yes, I mean, that my gosh, these, the graduate schools and universities are um, tightly knit communities, even the really big ones are, and uh, word has a way of getting around, and it's <laughs> both the positive and the negative, and so uh, everything you do um, in these situations is going to be evaluated, um, and you're, you, you know, the, these individuals, it's not unlike the job search process where uh, a company might bring you in for an interview or for uh, a group interview or for a lunch or something like that. They're evaluating a lot of different things, and one of the, one of those things is, is, are you the kind of person that we want around on a day-to-day basis? And okay. it's, it's not hard. As long as you are polite, professional, courteous, um, you have already um, uh, come a long way toward being admitted to a certain place. 
And one thing you make very clear, Don, is be yourself, be human, be honest. Mm. Don't try, you know, don't try to act like you're perfect because nobody's perfect, right? No, don't try to be the, you know, don't be arrogant. Don't be boastful. Just be factual. Yeah, that is so true. And and in addition to being being professional, as as Kevin was mentioning, being being professional, being courteous, being being have being well behaved. Obviously, that is important. But in addition to that, just being who you are. Uh, the, Oscar Wilde said it best. That, you know, be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. Already taken. And I, I love, I love that. I just love that idea. And and furthermore, in all of our dealings as human beings, one with another, if we get a sense or if you get a sense that you, you're meeting someone at a, at a party or, or a happy hour or an event of some kind, and you get a sense that that person is coming across in a very fake and disingenuous manner, your, your first reaction is not to want to get to know them better, but rather pull back and, and distance yourself. And I often say, while admissions professionals, we're, we're not psychics necessarily or psychologists, but after you start meeting students over and over and over, year after year after year, you begin to get a sense of when someone is just genuinely being who they are. And that actually does make a difference. It helps you stand out and it helps you have a better impression with those individuals who are evaluating your candidacy. So absolutely, by all means, you need to be yourself. You had a great example in the book about honesty. And, you know, I've always been a believer Mm -hmm. in integrity and honesty is the best policy and, you know, all of that. But, um, and it had to do with a phone call. And I thought this was interesting because this just shows, shows me, you know, how much integrity you have that you actually call students to congratulate them upon admittance or, you know, to get to know them a little bit more. But you made a phone call and you asked for a certain gentleman it was on a Saturday morning who this and he had just been admitted and but the person said he wasn't that man wasn't there and so you thought you had the right number so you called the number again and a woman answered and then she brought the gentleman over and it was the same person who said he wasn't who he was and upon hearing that you informed the applicant that while your original purpose of your call was to congratulate him on admission, now you were going to have to deny him because right. he had lied to you about his identity. He thought that you were some salesperson. Could you right. just get, I think that is a, an incredible example. I know there's so many spam calls, scam call, you know, calls, there's all that. How? What is the best way for people to always present themselves, even on the telephone? Well, a couple things come to mind. First of all, to the original point of what you said, Cynthia, which is, again, is at the foundation honesty. of all of this, is honesty and integrity. Honesty. And yeah. admissions folks, truly, uh, Kevin and I have actually discussed this ourselves and, and with students that we've spoken with and, and coached with. The, no one is perfect, no, no, unless some people think they are. But, but if you're being realistic, no one is perfect. And admissions committees are looking for honesty. And there were times when I, I admitted an applicant that may not have been quite as competitive as others, but due to their genuineness, their honesty about certain parts of their application that maybe were not as competitive, really compelled myself and my colleagues on the admissions committee to say, you know, this person deserves a chance. So that, that's, 
that's the first thing. To your other question about phone etiquette, shall we say, or how to... Yes. I, I truly believe that when you speak with someone on the phone... What, especially in a, in a business context, like as an applicant, or if you're coaching with someone, or you're you're conducting a, some sort of business uh, conversation with them, I believe it's critical to almost pretend that you're speaking in person, that you are just, you're, you're actually there looking at them and speaking with them in the same way you would if you could see them. So that you are, you are not assuming there's any difference between what's happening on the phone conversation than what would happen in person. And in addition, when you, when you answer your phone, <laughs> you need to answer honestly. And one little addition to that story about the student, I didn't call applicants on, at home on a weekend unless they, we, we said in, in the application, do we have permission to call you at home in evenings or on weekends? And that uh-huh. was the only time I would call was if, if they had given permission. I would permission. never have presumed to do that cold. So the fact that this student had checked off on his application that we could call him on the weekend, I was doing what he had said I could do. That's, that's what was so so sad. If yeah, that's just, really sad. You know, you know, it's interesting, though, because I think this is in all walks of life, because um, when I'm uh, explaining to people when they want to pitch a radio network, you know, they want to pitch a show to promote whatever they want to promote, it's you are being judged from the very first time that you contact that producer. Right. And so it's the same thing. I mean, it, as, as you said, admissions people are just... They're people, and you have That's to right. treat everybody with respect. Now, why is now, and maybe, Kevin, you want to answer this, why is this an ideal time to consider grad school? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of really good reasons why. I think uh, among them, I, I think that uh, something that we're seeing now is uh, the uh, when it comes to jobs, when it comes to employment, we have been seeing a trend for the past recent years, and that is, is that once upon a time, um, kind of the, the standard entry-level degree was going to be an undergraduate degree. Uh, that is changing. Uh, we are seeing mm. more and more uh, uh, what, what some would, would have called entry-level jobs in the professional work setting that are now either um, uh, for, a ma- for a master's degree, that is either preferred or even required um, as the educational um, uh, uh, parameter for that particular yep. job. So we're seeing that more and more. Um, and so from a career perspective, uh, it's becoming definitely more and more of a necessity. We're seeing more and more people in the United States getting undergraduate degrees, which is a very good thing. But the sort of downstream effect of that is that it's, it's, it's less of a differentiator now than it was once upon a time. Well, you also write in the book, you talk about the financial incentive once you get a job is that people who go on to graduate studies actually uh, earn more money for the most part. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the the data clearly shows. I mean, the the, uh, Department of Labor, uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics has shown this over many, many years that there's a, there is overall there is a correlation between uh, education and uh, both uh, the uh, the income that the one uh, gets. Again, this is overall. It's not true for everybody, um, but there's it's it's you, the more education you have, the more salary you collect. You are also proportionally less likely to be unemployed the more education you have, the more degrees that you have. 
You know, one of the things, too, I mean, again, we're talking to Dr. Don Martin and Kevin Kiley. Dr. Don Martin is the author of Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for prospective graduate students, and this is the second edition. It's just this wonderful, very simple to read, point by point, what you need to do. truly is a guidebook, really a guidebook. And Kevin Kiley is uh, the managing director for this program that uh, that they're both doing together. Um, you talk a lot about financial aid and the finances because people, you know, when you're going to grad school, you might be you might be having to work full time. You might be married. You might have children. You might have taken a break. There's a lot of considerations. Is it more expensive now? How is the is there a plenty of financial aid? Could you speak to the financial portion? Sure. The, the, obviously, as as other prices have gone up for various things. Prices for education are, are increasing. They, they certainly are not going in the other direction. But with that, so is some of the financial aid that is available, both via loans or what we call free money, scholarships, grants, things of this nature. And there are some incredible resources available to prospective graduate students that have to do with funding that come from outside of what university they might choose to attend or alongside of what the university offers. Our Department of Education in Washington, D.C. has resources to this end. And when we speak, Kevin and I, we will provide resources to students about this. If anyone has questions, please contact us on our website. We'd be happy to share some of these additional resources. But the point is, no, it's not cheap. But yes, I believe it is affordable with planning, with spending time, ahead of your applications, looking for additional resources, and one final quick tip, consider working where you go to school. That does add up to some tuition remission. That's what happened to me in both of my own graduate degrees, not by design initially, but that's what happened, and it was a tremendous help. And plus, you're also getting involved in the community if you work at school. And that really helps. You're making connections. You are probably uh, meeting people that, who knows, you may end up working there after graduation. And the, the website that Dr. Don is talking about is gradschoolroadmap.com. And again, both Kevin and Don are offering a free 30-minute consultation, which they normally have to charge for, obviously, if you contact them, dmartin at gradschoolroadmap.com. I wanted to ask both of you about uh, recommendations because there's a lot about recommendations in this book. And as a person who gets asked to write quite a few recommendations, mostly not so much for grad school, but definitely for colleges and um, undergrad universities, there was something in here that you said that really struck me, and that was that Whenever you see the boxes checked that say everything is excellent, it gives you pause. And yeah. uh, and the other part of that was that um, to make sure that the person you're asking to recommend you actually will say positive things about you and also will maybe say something where you need to have a little more encouragement or maybe one of your weaknesses. I've never really stressed the weaknesses. I usually go for the positive, but I like that idea of being able to say this is what needs improvement. Could either or both of you speak to that? 
I'll I'll take a stab and and Kevin as as Kevin often does so very well. If if I miss something or there's something you want to add, I I really hope you will. But very quickly, when you, when when I make a recommendation to someone about who the best recommender for them is. I always say it is someone who knows you long enough and well enough to really comment about who you are as a person. And going back to something we said earlier in our conversation this evening, we we talked about the idea that no one is perfect, that we're all human. And while we're not looking for, for dirty laundry and skeletons in the closet, none of that, we are looking for human beings. And so to this point of checking these boxes that you're often asked to, where you're asked to evaluate a candidate on creativity, intelligence, teamwork, decision-making ability, motivation, whatever it is, if every single box is checked in the most positive manner, what that looks like is that the recommender didn't spend any time really thinking about those things and just thought, oh, I need to check the best box. That, that, that'll help the most. And it's the opposite. It does not help. That's so such in, a great point. That, that's what, that's what would be what I would, would say about that. And, Kevin, if, if there's anything to add, I, please feel free. Uh, as, as usual, I think you've nailed the head, nailed the, the, the nail right on the head. <laughs> well, you know, I, there's also something else you said about recommendations, and there, I guess this happens, is that some people write their own recommendations. They oh, put somebody else's yeah. name on it, and what a no-no yeah. that is. I mean, that's completely it's, false, and it's a lie. And or... Yeah. Um, you know, they'll ask some, they'll submit a name of somebody who's recommended them or said that they'll write a recommendation, and that person has no idea who they are. I've had that happen, as you know. I'm the executive director of Be the Star You Are charity, so I work with a lot of volunteers, and I've yeah. actually had people that I don't know put my name as their recommender on their college, and it actually has happened for yeah. some grad school. Um, applications, and I get this, you know, this letter from the university asking if I will recommend, and I don't even know who they are. It's unbelievable. Well, it, the, the, wow. the instances of dishonesty in the graduate school application process, sadly, are, are there. And admissions offices are becoming more savvy about this and finding ways to determine whether someone, because when you submit an application, you're asked to sign that you are promising that what you've provided was your own information where it was given and that you did not have people helping write your letters of recommendation and things along that line, that you, you did what you were supposed to do. And what's so sad is that it's so I, th- I don't think applicants are tr- that, that those who misrepresent themselves are truly evil or out. I, I really don't believe that. What I believe happens is they start to get nervous that, oh, my gosh, there's so many great applicants out there, and I don't have as good of, a, of, a, of, a, of an application as they do, so I need to do something to make myself look better. That's a temptation, and we've all been tempted at some point in life to make a mistake. That's, that's part of the human condition. But what's so sad is you don't need to do this. You don't need to do it. You have enough within you to be a very solid applicant. That's where Kevin and I can come in. We can help coach you. We can help help you prepare the best application that you can give that lets the admissions committee hear your voice. You don't need to do this. You can, you can do graduate study. If I can do it, I put it at the end of my book. If I can do it, anybody can. 
And, and you and have a great backstory too, because you were not raised in a family that valued um, the education the way that you value education today. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. And education, I, it, it's been a passion of mine because it truly changed my life. The opportunity to go to graduate school, both at the master's and then the doctoral level, tr- just changed my life in so many amazing ways. And and I don't think you would have con- initially connected the dots. But uh, if you're listening out there and you're you have a you have a concern about can i can i really do graduate school can i do this yes you you can can. well and yes everyone can understand is uh kevin and don can be your guides on the side you know gradschoolroadmap.com they can coach you you can pick up a copy of this book roadmap for graduate study a guide for prospective graduate students and i really i really endorse this book because it is so simply laid out you start off the book with what you do a year in advance and what you do each month to prepare so you're not you're keeping spreadsheets sheets and you're not going to be caught off guard what is there are some mistakes that people should avoid when pursuing graduate school is there are there one or two that stand out in your mind that you think would be worth sharing I'll, I'll do one, and maybe I'll let Kevin, Kevin do one that he, he may have noticed in his, in his journey. I, I guess one of, the, one of the things I think you really need to avoid as, as an applicant is asking questions that you can fully answer for yourself by simply looking at what each of these graduate schools is presented to you in their website and through perhaps email messages yes. they send or at an admissions event you attend. Two of the questions that I used to be asked, which made me cringe, were, number one, what are your application deadlines? I felt like saying, you mean you've come all the way to to hear a presentation about whichever institution I was representing at the time, and you didn't take the time to look. We have that plastered everywhere on our website and our materials. The second question was almost worse than the first one. You know, do you offer financial aid? I was (laughs) tempted sometimes to say, no, you have to pay cash. Of course we offer financial aid. And these, when people ask questions that they can easily answer for themselves, that's a mistake. And it, it clearly is a bad reflection. That's my mistake, Kevin. I'm, I'm sure you have many, but I'll let you give one as well. well I, I think it, it, it goes uh, in line with some of what you were just saying, Don, and that is, is that the, the, I think the, my experience when I was an MBA admissions director, the, the thing that was most likely to sink someone's application inadvertently was over contact with the admissions office. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the Becoming a pest, right? What the grad school, they, you know, they, they want to hear from you to an extent. Um, and if you have questions or concerns, whatever, absolutely. Um, but after you apply and when you know when the um, notification deadline is, in other words, when you'll find out the admit or deny decision, if all that has been communicated, uh, contacting the admissions director every other or every third day to sort of reinforce that they really want to go there is not a smart move. <laughs> so, you know, check your, check your enthusiasm, check your eagerness, let them do their work. Um, and, and if you've done your work in your application to convey your true interest, uh, that will come through in your application and uh, things are more likely to go well for you in that circumstance. Those are really great takeaways. I also just want to say that it, what comes across in the book, and it just seems obvious but probably needs saying, is for people really need to spend the time, and it does take time, yeah. and put effort and thought 
into this application process and don't wait to final moments before deadline. If they if they follow your roadmap in the book, they'll be prepared for each level. And then just be true to yourself and be honest. Do not become a pest. And getting back to following directions, read mm. the materials. Read the materials Absolutely. that each uh, that each university presents because, as you both said, the information is there, whether it is the timelines or the financial aid or, you know, whatever it is, it's usually on the website. Mm-hmm. And another thing that I saw, too, is um, that's something that when you're, the, as the, the candidate being in the driver's seat, is you can evaluate how great this institution is by the quality of their documentation, of their websites, of their, of their handouts, right? So it's, it's, it's a two-way street. It's a two, it's, not only is the admissions committee evaluating you, but you should be equally evaluating these institutions you're considering because you're about to spend, you know, per, perhaps two years, if you're a doctoral student, even longer, on this campus interacting with faculty, with fellow students, spending much time and many financial resources. This is, this is your life. This is your education. And the biggest mistake you can make as a prospective graduate student is not doing enough research before you apply to really find those three, four, five programs that really resonate with you and that, that, are, that are really the ones you should be considering. And if you read the first chapter of my book, that's, that's what helps you through that process. So absolutely, take your time. I, that's such good advice, Cynthia. Well, you know, I think that everybody should start in the beginning and just read the book. It's only 106 pages. <laughs> and, I mean, and it literally answers every single question from whether you should invest in health insurance or whether you should defer if something comes up. Should you defer your enrollment for, you know, a year or whatever? Um, and if something like what happened to you, Don, if, if perhaps something... Um, isn't included in your first um, application, like maybe a test score didn't get there or a letter of recommendation, that you follow up with that and, you know, again, courteously ask if you may send it in because then that shows that you are uh, not only interested but you're on top of everything and you're not being a pest with that. You really are taking, you know, the the bull by the horns, I guess. That's right. Well, that's that's part of my story, Cynthia, about I'm – I'm I'm an open book in my book in in the yes. sense that I tell readers I was denied the first time I applied for my PhD program and that's what you're describing is what I what I was able to do after I got that message which was very hard to hear it was my first choice I really wanted to go to Northwestern but to, to make a long story short I did follow uh, some steps and and I ended up getting admitted about a month after I had been denied mm-hmm. now that doesn't happen I'm not promising that to every person listening here, but I will tell you this, even if you're waitlisted or denied, there, the, the, there are pointers in the book about how to handle that. It's, that, is, that even is not the end of the world. And that's a good thing for everyone to know because uh, I think being waitlisted or if you are denied, it's heartbreaking because you've put all this time into it. And that was something else that's a good takeaway from your book is don't get your heart set on just one university or on the prestige of a university because every place is has their qualities and whatever That's wherever right. you end up is going to be probably the best place for you 
Before we're getting to the end of the hour, Donna and Kevin, but okay. there was something that you brought up in this book that uh, that wasn't really in the last book, and I thought it was important, especially in the these times of the Me Too movement and all of what all these things that are going on, is yeah. you made it very clear that if you feel that anything is inappropriate from other students or a teacher or yeah. um, any faculty member that you bring this, again, professionally and courteously up to the right people because there, 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 is no, there is no tolerance for any kind of misbehavior. I could not agree with that more, and I, I believe that in this particular time in our country's history where there is much more uh, freedom to actually bring these kinds of things to light, as sad and terrible as they are and as heartbreaking as it is to hear about them. I believe the door has been opened and a greater opportunity is now available in, in the case of my, my area of expertise, in the case of higher education, to come forward and if, if something like this happens, make it known. There are you, Most graduate students will, will be assigned an academic advisor. There's student development staff. There's a psychologist. There are counseling opportunities available right on campus, and obviously this is confidential. This is not something that is going to be disseminated, and if something like this happens, yes, I was a dean of students, and sadly there were times I was faced, I had to deal with this myself at a couple, in a couple instances, and it's, it's again a very heartbreaking thing. This should not be, educational experiences ought to be some of the best times in your life, and it's so heartbreaking when something like this happens but yes but it's called life and life happens right and people as you said in the beginning we're all humans in training so humans are going to make mistakes so just to recap um because we're all we're at the end just i want uh, anyone who's applying to remember you know resist that temptation to cheat plagiarize embellish just be yourself your best self because that's all you can be. You just can be that star you were born to be. And as Don said, if he can do it, you can do it too. Mm. And persistence, I love that you closed your, well, you didn't quite close the book, but you closed chapter three with the Calvin Coolidge, nothing in the world yes. can take the place of persistence. It's so true. It's, you know, it I always say three words, perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. That's what leads you <laughs> to success. So again, I want to thank you both for being on the show. Uh, it's Dr. Don Martin and Kevin Kiley. The book is called Roadmap for Graduate Study, a Guide for Prospective Graduate Students. Go to the website, gradschoolroadmap.com, and I promise you, and this is not a false promise, there's everything you need in this little wonderful pocket guide just to get you into grad school, and you can do it. So, Don and Kevin... Wow, how exciting. Ten years after your first launch. It's great to be with you again. Thank you so much oh for being here. Yeah, it's been, it's amazing. So thanks for being it here on Star Style. It is amazing, Cynthia. Ten years ago yesterday, my very first interview ever for Grad School Roadmap, and here we are ten years later with this wonderful opportunity, and now to have Kevin on board. I, this, is, uh, this is a very exciting uh, moment for me. 
And I can hear it in your voice. And as I said, I see it in your picture, how much you love what you're doing. And to anyone out there who is considering graduate study, I encourage you to be in touch with Don and Kevin to get a coaching session. You can tell they really care. They do have integrity. They love what they do. They love the students and they want you to be successful. And what more could we ask for in life than to have, you know, a mentor, a guide on the side, someone who knows where you want to go and they've already been there and they can help you get there so dr don and kevin i think you're amazing thank you so much for being here on star style be the star you are success with this book you know that i'm going to be promoting it thank Thank you you so much so much Thank you. Well, everyone, thank you for being great listeners and allowing me into your life every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about um, some fire from fire prevention and land care. I'll do it another time. I thought this was more important. I love this book, Roadmap for Graduate Study. For more information about Be The Star You Are charity, and you could help with uh, our wildfire operation disaster relief by going to Be The Star You Are and making a tax-deductible donation. California is on fire, and it's way too early in the season. It's been really bad. So please think about it. BeTheStarYouAre.org. It is all a tax deduction. It's a nonprofit. So BeTheStarYouAre.org or BTSYA.org. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, motivate you. I'd like you to see beyond your physical being. Know that you're already a star that you dreamed of becoming. Cherish the past, dream of the future, but celebrate today and read a book this week. And it really needs to be Roadmap for Graduate Study, a guide for uh, prospective graduate students by Dr. Don Martin. You will love it. So until we celebrate again next week, remember love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you to be the star you are. Have a wonderful week. Dream, create, inspire, make a difference. And most of all, be here every Wednesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific, and read Roadmap for Graduate Study and get in touch with Dr. Don and Kevin Kiley. Thanks for joining me. Until next week, ciao for now. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program star style be the star you are we have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire inform entertain and motivate you to be the star you were born to be for more information visit starstyleradio.com and to make a donation to the charity go to be the star you ignite the flame that burns brightly within Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. Keep caring, keep caring, keep caring, keep caring.